Well, we are doing a series called Weird because normal is not working. Uh, when it comes to our schedules, normal's overwhelmed. Normal is stressed out. Normal is panicked. When it comes to our finances, normal is paycheck to paycheck. Normal is broke. Normal is worried and worrying about money. And when it comes to relationships, tragically, it's normal for marriage to end in divorce almost as frequently as it is for one to make it. And for those that do make it, it's normal for them just to stay together for the sake of the kids, kind of muscling it out, but not really having any intimacy. When it comes to life today, it's normal to believe there's got to be something more and then to go off in search of it. And then most people seem to end up settling for material things. And that leaves them empty. Craving something more. Knowing that there should be something more, but not finding it. It's normal to be spiritually empty so that when you, when you look at the way people are doing life, you just see that normal is not working. If you're new with us, welcome, um, or if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus, a beautiful image, a picture that he gave to us where he said, We're on, uh, everyone's on two roads. Everybody's on one road or the other. And that passage is uh, Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. Let's take a look at that. Enter through the narrow gate. That's how Jesus starts. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, 14. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Take a moment to let that, that image, that truth sink in. An incredibly powerful picture that Jesus painted. Because there's a lot of people over here on the broad road. And the broad road, it doesn't go to a good place. The broad road leads to destruction, and many people are on it. But there is a narrow road that leads to life, and sadly, only a few people find it. Only a few people are on that road. The people on the normal, the broad road over here, they, they look at the people over there and they go, wow, what you're doing is, is weird where we are. Everyone's here. We must be doing the right thing. If everyone's here, we're all doing the same sort of thing. This is where the crowd is. This is where all the normal people are. We must be okay. If there's a crowd, it must be right. But it's the narrow road that leads to life. And if you're on the narrow road, the, the normal people back over here, they look at you and they say, what you're doing is so different, you're weird. But we're going to take comfort in that because we know that normal isn't working. Today I want to look at uh, the normal view of God and I want to look at a weird view of God. So let's start with the normal. Two views of God. First one, religion. That's man's normal attempt to reach God. So virtually every World religion has its own set of external, man-made, religious rules that are trying to please God or a God or some gods. What's religion? You know, any, any religion, you pick one, pick your preference. It says, if you behave this way, if you believe this way, if you do these things and you don't do those things, then you can perform your way to God. You know, pick the rules that you want. What are the rules that make sense to you? What are the rules that you've said are important? Maybe it's, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with girls who do. Therefore, therefore, I must be right with God. Or maybe the rules that you follow are more like, I, I pray like this. 
I pray in this room. I, I, I kneel when I pray. I pray at this time. I, I go to church on this day, not that day. I, I was baptized this way. I, I, I don't ever go and see that type of movie. I do follow these religious behaviors. So much of religion is externally focused. It's if I behave the right way, then I might please God. And when Jesus came on the scene, he, he dealt with a very religious group of people that were called Pharisees. He told this story about a cup, um, and he said to them, uh, he compared their lives to the cup, and he said, the outside of your cup, in, in, in other words, your behavior, what people can see easily, what you're showing everybody, looks pretty good. It's clean. But when we, when we look on the inside, your heart, it's totally different. Your heart, that, that's the stuff that matters to God. It's, it's filthy. And you're so missing the point. Religion focuses on the external. Isaiah 29, 13. These people, they come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up of only rules taught by men. And there's two problems with religion. The first problem with religion is that it leads to pride. So let's start with pride. And why? Because pride is something that we can all agree on because it's somebody else's issue, right? Pride's never my problem. It's always somebody else, so it's easy to talk to you about. But I bet each of you know someone, one of those prideful, holier-than-thou kind of religious jerks. Do you know somebody like that? Have you seen somebody like that? I'd say raise your hand, but I'm afraid you're going to point at me. So don't point at me. Do you know somebody like that? The kind of person who's always like, I'm right and you're wrong. You're so wrong, I'm so right. Let me show you why you're so wrong. Just like that Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus told a story about him. This religious Pharisee, he went into the temple and he was so full of pride, he prayed about himself. He, he prayed, oh, thank you, God, that I'm so righteous and not like this unholy tax collector. And he focused on himself. And Jesus said he missed the point. And the sinner that he was pointing at, the unholy tax collector, is the one who was actually getting it right. Second problem with religion is that it leads to despair. I'm not good enough, right? I, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm not supposed to say a bad word, but every time I play golf, you know what happens? Despair. I can't measure up. I can't keep up. I can't keep the balls in the air. Religion puffs up. Makes you proud, or it makes you feel despair. And that, my friends, is man's normal approach to God. Despair or pride. Religion, it's all based on the externals. But what I want to talk to you about today is something that's weird. It's not like that. It's not normal. Something very different, and it's not religion. But it is the Son of God. His name is Jesus, called the Christ. Religion's um, view, that normal way for, for man to get to God, but but Christ is God's weird way to reach man. The Apostle Paul contrasted religion with something revolutionary, a relationship with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He started with religion, and he describes it. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 4. And then he goes on and he offers his, his kind of resume, and it was spotless. Verse 4, if anyone thinks that he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, which 
kind of means, in other words, um, if anyone's behavior, if, if you think they've got it, I have even more reason, okay? And then he gives his resume, starting at verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day to the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. Six, as for zeal, persecuting the church, all right? As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Now, you might be going, what does all that mean? He's saying, I'm from the best lineage. I had the best education. I'm, I was mentored by the best. I have the best behavior, and I've had it for years. I did it all. You can't get any more religious than what I did. I had it all. And then here's what he says in verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss. All that religious stuff is a loss. Verse 8. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to, and then he compares to, and he says the weirdest thing ever, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He just switched gears right there in front of you. He was talking about religion, and then he says, I'm not talking about religion. Now I'm talking about a relationship with the Son of God for whose sake I've lost all things. And, and then he goes on and he, and he takes all those religious things that he had said, his whole resume that he had just talked about, these are all great things, and he says, I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. All of that, Pharisee of Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, I consider all of that rubbish. The Greek word <coughs> that's translated as rubbish is the word skubala. Everybody say skubala. Oh, listen to the mouth on you, right? Do you even realize what you're saying? You kiss your mother with that mouth? Religion is kind of a wuss way to translate the word scubalit. Really, it, I mean, it can be translated as rub, rub, rubbish or garbage, but what it really is, is it's human or animal waste. King James translation uh, uh, does it as dung in the English language, but that, that English equivalent, it's, it's not accurate. The word scubala, it, it's actually... It's actually the bad word, right? All of this out outward effort at religion, I call it all poo-poo, all right? It's all scubala. It's dung. It's the worst type. It, it, it's worth nothing. That's what religion is, our external attempt to please God. And Paul says, it's just a pile of scubala. And then he goes on to say this, I consider all of this scubala that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And then don't miss this in verse 9 not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, um, I'm not made right with God because of all that I did. And, and I did a lot, and it was good. But the law it goes on, he says, my righteousness is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And what, what he just said turned the religious world of his day just upside down. They'd be like, heresy, heretic, cancel him. What, you can't say that. What you're saying is so weird. And we all know that it's how we behave that makes us right from God. We've known that for years. And then he goes on to say, you want to know the purpose of the law? The, the purpose of the law, all those rules, all that thing that you're doing, it's just there to show that you don't measure up. And you know that. You're never going to be good enough. But there is another righteousness. And this is the weirdest thing. Maybe you're going to hear this for the first time today. Maybe you've heard this through your whole life and in your, so much that your heart is just cold to it. 
You have a head knowledge of this story. You, you can fill in the, the blanks. But, it's, but there's no heart relationship to, one, to the one that the story is about. You are aware, but you are not attuned. Hear it as if you could hear it for the very first time. Religion is all about you. God says, though, it's all about Christ and him alone. And here's the story. Maybe you've heard it. starts a little something like this. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. You go, that sounds weird. Sent his son into this world born of a virgin. Only happened one time ever in history. Weird. Why? So that he wouldn't inherit the sin nature of his natural father. But instead he would inherit the heavenly nature of his heavenly father. Therefore, Jesus, God in the flesh, his son could live a sinless life. And when he was old enough, he started teaching things that just amazed people. How did he get this understanding? How was he pulling this all together? It was so otherworldly. It was so weird. He said things like, if you want to be the greatest, you serve. That's weird. He said, if you, if you want to be the most important, then you should be the least. If you want to be first, then you need to be last. And we go, weird. He said things that just boggled people's minds as they tried to figure out how it could be so different than what they've known their whole life. If you give, it will be given unto you. Weird. He said if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Weird. He said if someone hits you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. And if someone hurts you, you bless them. Weird. It'll never work. If someone insults you, you pray for them. You go, Weird, how, how will that ever work? How will we ever win if we do that? If someone betrays you, you forgive them, and not just one time, but 70 times, seven times, and the world looks on, and they're all going, maybe like you're thinking right now, how could that work? That is so weird, it doesn't make sense. That's nothing like we live right now. And he says, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross. Pick up your cross means laying down your life. In response to that, guess what the religious people did? They despised him, hated him. They wanted to follow the rules. They wanted to control through the rules. And, and he kept doing annoying things like healing people on the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. That's just weird. Don't do that. That's not normal. That's not what we do. And he did these odd, weird son of God things that are not humanly possible where he opened blind eyes and, and he, and he um, healed deaf ears and he hugged lepers and he healed them and he raised the dead. And as the religious people continued to not stand him, to, be, to despise him, he, they turned on him and, and, and criticized him. Who did, who did he befriend at that point? People like you. P people like me. Liars. Thieves adulterers, people who sinned radically. He, he befriended tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and the lowest of the low, the outcasts. And he loved these bad people and they were transformed. And, and many of them, even though they were uneducated, even though they, they weren't brought up in religious school, they didn't know how to do religious things properly, they left everything. How weird is that to follow him? And he said, I'll use you to change the world. And then one day, he became obedient, even obedient to death on the cross. And he allowed one of his own, Judas, to betray him with a kiss. And he, and he, and he turned himself in, and he allowed the creation 
to abuse him, the creator, by driving stakes through his wrists and his heels and to place a crown of thorns across his brow and to hit him again and again and again and again and then to mock him. And he willingly let them hoist him up on a cross. And as they abused him, he looked up to heaven and he prayed the weirdest prayer ever. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They have no idea. And then he became our sin. And and I don't know what sins are represented here or here today. Some of you have lied. He became your lying. He became your greed and your pride and your envy and your worldliness and your bitterness and your hatred and your anger. Well, why did he do that for us? You do it because I'm a good person? No. Scripture says that without Christ, you are the object of God's wrath. That our best attempt at righteousness, putting all of it in, it's filthy rags. And then Jesus on the cross, as our sin, he becomes sin forced, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He looks up to heaven and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he said, Tetelestai. It means... It is finished. And the world went dark, and it shook. And and, and then a non-believer looking on, he says, surely this man was the son of God. And for three days, everyone holds their breath. What happened? We we, we thought he was, but but I, I guess he's not. And what was that whole temple thing? Three days Three days later, a couple of women, they want want to go out and go back to the body and anoint it. They say, who's going to roll away the stone when we get there? And when they get there, the stone's already been removed. And the tomb was empty. Because death could not hold him. The grave could not contain him. He was risen, and he is risen indeed. And it changes everything. And you can't just remain the same and say it's going to be all okay. You can't just stay basically on the broad path, kind of believing in God, I guess a little bit, but living just like everyone else. Here's the deal. If it's true, this story, if it's true, and I believe that it's true, you cannot casually accept the gospel message. When you believe that many are, are, are on the wrong way, that one day you just got to stop and say, I don't want to stay on this path towards destruction. Normal's not working. I want to step through the small gate, the small gate called Jesus. I want his righteousness to be my own. Religion says it's all about what I do. God says it's about what Christ did. Religion said if I work really hard, he, he might love me. God says because he loves you, you want to obey. Religion says it's all about me. God says it's all about Christ. And when you really believe that, you cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. And your only reasonable response is to give him your whole life, to not hold it back anymore. And when you do, you'll get on that narrow road. And people are going to see you there, and they are going to see that you're weird, and they're going to call you weird. And you're going to say, it's okay, because I'm so filled with the love of God. I'm filled with the kingdom of God. And they're going to want what you've got. They're going to want to be different. And you're going to invite them on that road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus, and they will not meet religion, which leads to bondage, but Christ, who sets you free. And we find hope and freedom in the love of Christ. They will recognize normal is not working, and they will be weird 
in the God kind of way. I am a normal person, and I refuse to believe that Christ has risen from the dead. I'm completely certain my own view of religion is more important than believing in Jesus, the Son of God. I have my priorities straight because my success, lots of money, and popularity is way more important than family, faith, and serving God. I tell you this, once upon a time, family stayed together, but this is no longer true. This is a generation unwilling to commit. Normal people say I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. I do not concede that I will be weird and different from the crowd. In the future, I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. No longer can it be said that my life will count. It will be evident that I'm short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It's foolish to presume that I am different and can change the world. Unless I become weird and look at life from another perspective. I am different and can change the world. It is foolish to presume that I am short-sighted, selfish, and only living for me. It will be evident that my life will count. No longer can it be said that I will travel the broad, comfortable, and normal path. In the future, I will be weird and different from the crowd. I do not concede that I'll be broke, divorced, and spiritually empty. Normal people say this is a generation unwilling to commit, but this is no longer true. Families stayed together once upon a time. I tell you this, family, faith, and serving God is way more important than my success, lots of money, and popularity. I have my priorities straight because believing in Jesus, the Son of God, is more important than my own view of religion. I am completely certain Christ has risen from the dead, and I refuse to believe that I am a normal person.